Welcome to the Fifth Wheel Mafia podcast. Today we have a special guest on, Mr. Jeff Botello. How are you doing today, Jeff? Isn't today a beautiful day? They say any day above ground is that, so. You ain't lying. Hey, so, do you know much about polishing? I don't get coach fired up just one minute. <laughs> you know any polishers? You like polishers? <laughs> I, I know I'm 52 years old, and I done taught my boy how to do it now, so I don't have to anymore. Got you. Got you. Well, Steve for hire? Yeah. Can you put him on a bus in the Greyhound? I'll I, I tell you what. If you're going to feed him, I'll just send him out there, and I'll probably save a lot of money. <laughs> we'll take tell him how to leave the light on for him. Just send him this Yeah. Way. 20 years old and 6'4", the boy can put some food away. Oh, I can imagine. So um, we're going to start off with, with a would you rather. Would you rather give up cursing? Or your favorite food for eight years? Ooh, that's bad because I'm a truck driver with a foul mouth and I'm fat. So. <laughs> you got to pick that's one. A, ooh, I, I, I know what I should say. I should say I'd rather give up cursing, but that's difficult. I might give up my favorite food. Wow. Interesting. I'd give up my favorite <laughs> food too. No way. Yes, I would. I don't cuss much, so I, I would definitely... Definitely keep my favorite food. I don't, Brandon. What are you talking about? No, I don't. I seen some sailors blush the other day. You just wearing them out. Cody can probably count on one hand how many times I've cussed since we've known each other. Right, Cody? Uh, Probably. Yeah. First day together. I don't know why that glass jar that says cursing jar is full, but, you know, it's on one hand we counted, right? It's yes. got dollars in the swear jar. It ain't got coins in they there. They are lying. They Brandon, are so lying, Jeff. What would yours be? Cursing or your favorite food? Oh, easy. I'd, I'd give up cursing. Easy. Yes. Come on now. I mean, I don't throw the fajitas away with the green sauce. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Coach? I'd have to give up my favorite food. Yes, coach. <laughs> coach for the win. Seriously. <laughs> coach, I'm, I mean, I'm not around you that much, but I haven't ever heard you cuss. What? I haven't. Yeah, it's because Coach tells you to wear earmuffs when he's gonna when he's gonna cuss. Yeah, Cody, <laughs> Do you? Cody had that. Oh. Hold her ears this morning. <laughs> That's what about funny. the fajitas we had last week? You'd, you'd pitch them in the... I'd hate to. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Jeff, tell us about yourself, and uh, you own two businesses. Is that right? Yeah. Awesome. Um, One of them is a trucking business that we've had forever and ever. Um, My dad had trucks up until I was two years old, and at when I was two, my dad was he was got a lot. He wasn't like an over the road trucker. It was just California, but they didn't have the major interstates. And so he was gone a lot and his father wanted to retire. So my dad bought the machine shop from him and ran that successfully for a lot of years, but his heart was always in trucking. And apparently when I was a little guy, uh, all I could do was talk about trucks and want trucks. And I got off the school bus on my 13th birthday and we ordered a brand new truck on my birthday. I had no idea we had to work them, pay for them, none of that. I just, I just wanted a truck. And uh, as of as of 2024, that trucking business has been around for 40 years. That's awesome. That is. So, very, and very then cool. With my father owning a machine shop, he uh, his hobby was to build custom street rods, like old Model A's, and, but full-blown show cars. 
so I grew up doing that with my dad and we had a shop at our house. And as I got older, I took that street rod knowledge and put it into big rigs. And, uh, with that, it kind of put me ahead of times because I was doing things to big rigs that were only being done to full blown show cars, which that's kind of the industry standard in the big rigs now. But when I started doing it, with my dad and my brother in 87, 88, I graduated high school in 89 and we had just finished the truck that I, we had built for me to drive when I graduated high school. And I was, I was only 17 years old and my dad cut me loose in this brand new truck running the Bay area to Los Angeles three times a week. I just, I've always loved it. Even after my dad kind of got a little older and didn't want to do it anymore. My brother was never, majorly involved in the trucking business it wasn't this wasn't his job he lived up in the bay area and he's got a great job great family he, he's done well for himself but the trucking was never his thing as a matter of fact he never would go get his class a license to drive him because he knew my dad would make him drive so then i got uh i did the show truck thing for a long long time and i got frustrated with it and i got uh irritated and i let that get to me. So I stopped doing the show truck stuff for about 11 years. The only show that I would still go to never went to any more shows, didn't build any full customs or anything like that. The only show that was still majorly important to me was I always went to the class pace display show at the Peterbilt factory. It meant something to me. Um, the guy that was in charge of it for a long time, he became a close personal friend. And then I met people there that just, you meet them and they become friends for a lifetime. And David is one of them. I met David in 2008 and I'll say this tongue in cheek. I guess I have to be friends with Brandon now, but you know, I still kind of like the guy. We're, we're a pair. Well, you know, if you get one, you got to take me. So there you go. <laughs> it, it, it's just amazing that we're, we're able to do, the things we do and the camaraderie that comes with doing the show stuff. And then as my children got older, my daughter is 22 and she helps me out with paperwork and doing all the keeping us in compliance and things like that. And my, my son is working in the shop with me, keeping our own equipment on the road. He wanted to start doing the custom stuff. Well, rather rapidly, I got tucked back into building customs and I've done a few things here and there. I never completely stopped. I just wasn't doing it for a living. And I met this guy in 2008 that told me when I retire, I'm going to have you build me a truck. <laughs> and we talked about it over the years and man, he just retired and we just finished building a really, really, really cool truck for him. And it's great because my whole family's involved. My wife does all our dispatching and billing for the trucking business. My daughter does all the ordering and paperwork and everything for the custom truck business. My son helps me. He drives what we call a hay squeeze that loads and unloads all of our hay trucks out here. And plus he works with me in the shop, not only keeping our equipment on the road, but building the custom stuff. And then I got a 14 year old and boy, he's, he's, turned into a, a great detailer. He gets mad because we don't let him do a lot of the custom fabrication and stuff. He's the kid pushing the broom. And I tell him, 
you don't start at the top because you're the boss's kid. You start at the bottom and that's how your, your men end up respecting you. And you get, you get a nickname like coach later on in life. <laughs> that's right. And I love that it, that it's your whole family that runs this business. Is it just y'all or do y'all have other employees too? I have four other employees and, uh, but we treat them like family. We're, we're, you get to a spot where you're not the one or two truck operation. So you're too big to be small, but too small to be big. So we still run it with the mom and pop attitude with it. You know, our, our employees are very important to us. The things they've got going on with their families are very important to us. I refuse to treat employees like a number and here's your check and zero conversation. I know what goes on with my guys and their children and their sporting events and, we work their schedules accordingly so that nobody misses out on too much of their family life to make a living. That is awesome. Going back to your Botello custom trucks, what services do y'all offer? Um, we do everything from sell pieces and parts to minor installs, bumpers and fenders to doing full-blown builds like we just did for coach and this truck was stripped down to just frame rails with a motor sitting on it the cab was off we fabricated the whole bed did some really custom stuff inside fiberglass box uh, speaker boxes and center councils and we pretty much do everything in-house besides chrome plating and upholstery everything else we we do ourselves what do you think would be your favorite thing that you do? Building a custom truck from the ground up or just the little ins and outs every day? The ins and outs are fun because that's where you make your money. They're quick. They're gone. But a full custom build is where my heart's really at because I, I build with my heart, not my wallet. And usually when I'm doing a full build nowadays, back when I was doing it before, it, a job was a job and I, I would take it on. Now I, in fear of sounding arrogant, I can pick and choose the ones I want to work on. And if I do them, it's generally because they mean something to me. That's great. That's confidence. That's not arrogant. That's knowing what you're good at. We're sitting here watching the PowerPoint slides right now up on the big screen, looking at the convertible and, Wishing I had one coach has got one. Yeah, I love that convertible. That is awesome. Great work it's on that. Easy, Brandon. Just have uh, integrity start direct depositing your check into my account. <laughs> I'm going to get a Kenworth. I got to be different. <laughs> what is your favorite uh, build that you've done? I have two. I, I truth, well, actually, I have three favorite builds. Um, obviously, the convertible is kind of what put us on the map, and that was – that brand new truck that we ordered is we had a driver flip it over, put it on its side, wrecked mm. it really bad when I was young. So we bought it back from the insurance and we bought what we just called a glider kit. So it's basically a complete truck with no motor transmission or rear suspension. You take all of that out of the wreck and put it into this glider kit, mm -hmm. which was what became my very first truck. And that was, that was fun and amazing to do, especially now that I look back that my father's gone, I get to back, look back at all that time where I was mad because I was a teenager and I had a driver's license and I wanted to go out and play. 
but my father taught me the importance of work ethic. So that was a neat time, but I, when we bought that wreck back, I told my dad as a young kid and I was serious as could be, I didn't mean it to be sarcastic, but he's looking at, you know, back in the mid eighties, a hundred thousand dollar piece of equipment that is junk. And I told him, dad, why don't we cut the roof here and cut the back of the cab? We can make a convertible out of this thing and still run it. And not so many nice words. He told me what a silly little boy I was. <laughs> so I swore up and down. I was going to build a convertible someday. Well, doing the custom stuff, I got in with a lot of insurance companies and I would buy back some of the salvage stuff that was getting totaled. So I had pieces and parts all over my yard and I saved pieces and parts for years. And my dad would tell me, throw that junk away. You're never going to use it. And I'd tell him, I'm going to build my convertible out of that. <laughs> well, and I was 35 years old, 34 years old. And I got invited to the big rig build off in Louisville. So I built the convertible and that truck had a ton of meaning to us because we built it from a burn. You had 90 days to build from the time I got my invite and I was overhauling a motor on one of our work trucks in the shop. My father walked in and he was a very stern, hard headed old Portuguese man. He walked in the shop and he said, I understand you got invited. I said, yeah. He said, this truck's done and running before you start on that or I'll throw it all in the dumpster. <laughs> so by the time I was done overhauling the motor, I had 83 days. And we built that whole truck and it was me and a crew of very, very good and loyal friends helped me build it. And it was a neat project. It was something I'd wanted to do. And I swore I was going to do it. Well, when I was done with it, it was a emotional moment the day we rolled it out of the shop and I guess I'd always chased my father's approval my whole life not realizing I always had it so that was a great build we had a lot of fun with it uh, I gave it to my dad cool. the very next morning he came back and gave it back to me he said people go through their whole life never doing something they dreamed of and you did. So I'll take it. That's but awesome. you go and have your fun with you go have your fun with it first. And then you can give it to me. Well, he passed away eight months later. Oh. What a great so, dad though. That's sweet. Yeah. Yeah. People ask me if I change anything about my childhood because it wasn't easy growing up with a stubborn man like that. So but I wouldn't change anything. Because everything that happened has made me the person I am. For sure. So that one. And then after my father died, I had a, well, it was here before he passed. Um, I had a brand new Peterbilt. And I pulled it into my shop one day to do the service on it. And I tore it apart. And I was partners with my, when I was 25 years old, I bought half the business from my parents. So I was partners with my mom and everybody's grieving and I am not going to lie. I was a mess for the first three months. My wife used to have to force me to get out of bed. So I pulled the truck into the shop, tore it apart. My mother walked in, who is my mother and my business partner. And she said, what truck is this? I said, my truck. 
and my mother does not curse ever. Mm. And she goes, what, what do you mean your truck? I said, my truck. And she goes, are you, I don't know if I can use the word she used, but are you BSing me? That's a brand new damn truck and turned around and walked away. And I was panicked. <laughs> I thought, oh my God, she's going to kill me. Mom was cussing. And I walked into her office. I said, look, you can pay a person with a pen and a pad of paper in the form of a shrink to tell me I'm screwed up and I'm going to remain that way. Or you can let this be my therapy and let me build my truck. She looked at me. She said, you have $10,000 and two months. Well, I went to selling all kinds of transmissions, everything else. And uh, she knew it, but she acts like she didn't know it. And I had a bunch of money in it, but that was my therapy when my father died. So that truck had meaning to me. And then the third one is not just because coach is on the line, uh, was very meaningful to me because I got to build something for Mr. Peter built himself. <laughs> I'm ready to get it, bud. Yeah. It's, uh, it should be headed out there shortly. Can we make it into a convertible and that way I could drive it and let my long hair flow <laughs> in the breeze? I, I thought it was a town of yours. I thought I was on account of you were so tall and you can't fit in there with your oh, cowboy hat on. Well, that too. That too. <laughs> that is a beautiful rig. We've we've seen it at the class pays this year and it is pretty. Yeah, we, we actually enjoyed building it. Um, we brought it home with us because we weren't quite finished with the interior. The interior is all finished up and we actually took it to a uh, toy drive car show this weekend. It got a lot of great response to it. And then we did the Christmas parade that evening. I got about another hour's worth of uh, touch up and detail to do it, do to it. And it's going to get on a trailer and go home where it belongs. Kate White. <laughs> Coach is excited. <laughs> well, going back to uh, being in the family business um, and working with your family, what's that like on a daily basis? Um. Are you asking me or are you asking for the opinion of my wife and children, which I probably fire about three to five times a day and they still <laughs> I don't know. Just give us, give us both points of view. What it's it, like working it, it, with you and what, how you like working with them. You know, I, I don't know any other way. I grew up in a family business. My sister went to college and she went and got a job somewhere else. My brother went to college and went and got a job somewhere else. And, uh, I'm not sure if my dad didn't let me go to college or I didn't want to because this is all I ever wanted to do. And he needed to make sure somebody stayed and helped him. So um, I've never had a job, so to speak, anywhere else. I've never received a paycheck. I've never had anybody but my father be my boss. And I wouldn't have it any other way. Now, my children, my daughter went to college, but she wants to be here with the family business. My son. He's like me. And I told him when he graduated, there's no harm and there's no shame or anything like that. It's very honorable to be blue collar. Mm -hmm. The thing with being blue collar is you're going to work for the rest of your life. If you want to stay, that's going to be your choice. I'm not going to make it for you. If you want to stay, you'll have something when I'm gone, but it's a struggle and it's constantly a struggle, especially in the state of California. Yeah. Think you'll ever leave California and come this way? I'm waiting for David to make that phone call. Tell me <laughs> pack my stuff. 
<laughs> if you can show up with some polishers, I would highly recommend. Come on. Well, you know, the best polishers, and I'm not being racist, the best polishers are Hispanic, and I am half Hispanic. Hey, well, then we need you here. If plan A doesn't go through Wednesday morning, uh, yeah, we we need to talk. Yeah. So how yeah, many? I got, I got, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you, you go, go ahead. ahead. Everybody go you ahead. You go ahead. Go ahead. I got go a little ahead. intel earlier on what you're up against, and I do not envy you. Yeah, Coach had to step out. He's going to meet with Edward Jones, but, uh, yeah, we're backs up against the wall. Mm-hmm. 15 production days left this year, and I don't know, want to park 90? Well. That, that, that's the good thing going back to the camaraderie and everything else we can uh, reach out to each other and, and network our network all our information and connections and make things happen that's one thing that the the trucking community is very good at they're very close it might be small but everybody is really close yeah and and especially the guys that do the show truck stuff you know, I mean, there's bad apples and everything. Shoot, I might be accused of being the bad apple. I don't know. But You're the whole when fruit you go basket. to that stuff. <laughs> You're the whole fruit basket. You're not just an apple. What? Yeah, we didn't need to throw all my dirty laundry. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So how many custom trucks do you think that you build in a year? Um. When we say custom trucks, are we talking about things from bumpers and visors and fenders, or are we talking full builds? If we're talking full builds, I historically, back when I was doing it all the time, I like to build one full build a year. Not that you, I mean, they're very, very expensive to build. Pieces and parts and labor are a ton of stuff, are a ton of time. And when you start stacking up the labor, the bill gets huge. So you don't get a lot of people that want to do it. Um, but we do, I, I try to do one a year because that keeps what I call the bumper stack visor and deck plate jobs coming in the door. And that's where you actually make your money. Now those, we try to do one to two a month on the, the basic stuff and the bi- full bills we try to do one a year. Awesome. With your truck shows that you've been to, uh, well, how many think you that you've been to? Um, well, the year I built the convertible, that was an extreme year because we took that thing everywhere. We took it all over the United States, pretty much. And from March till October, I hit 31 shows that year. Wow. That is a lot in one year. <laughs> Yeah, and my negative bank account reflected it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> with the truck shows um, that you've been to, well, especially the one within 31 within one year, did you get any truck show awards? Oh, yeah, and those weren't all truck shows. Some of those were street rod shows. Some of those were um, car and pickup shows. And we even got invited to a few of the prestigious shows. There was a show out here that used to be called the Oakland Roadster Show. And it got changed to the San Francisco Rodden Custom Show. And that was something you had to be invited to. Mm-hmm. And that one there was actually pretty cool. Um, 
we got one of the prestige awards. One of the guys that, from the way I understand it, and I may be messing up the story, but you'll get the gist of it. They, one of the guys that originated the show was Ron Tognati. Um, we, his family still gives out the Ron Tognati award, which is, like I said, one of the prestige awards. And it would be the vehicle he liked best at the show that they could see him cruising around town in. And we actually won that award that year. And most of the shows we went to, you know, like the big rig shows, I would enter it as exhibition only because to me it wasn't fair to get a full-blown show truck that could never actually work and enter it up against the guys that work these trucks, take three or four days off and mess with their revenue and how they feed their family to come enjoy a truck show and somebody roll in with a trailer queen like we had and win the whole show. So I wouldn't, I would enter it as exhibition in an effort to continue to keep the shows alive rather than, you know, people going, well, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go to that show. We're not, we don't even have a chance of winning anything up against stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I think that's really respectful. It's super humble. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So we've heard through the grapevine that you have a trademark color. Can you tell us about it? <laughs> it's, a, it's a color my father has used for many, many, many years. And uh, he originally had the color made. And he just, it, it was an existing color. And then they tinkered with it a little bit. Now, when we order our new Peterbilt, it's obviously a color out of their lineup but it is exactly the color that my father had made. And some of my friends and people I know and all over the years have referred to it as Botello Blue. And it is a very pretty blue. <laughs> I need to see it. I haven't seen it. That's the color of Coach's truck. I know. I haven't seen his truck. Oh. Yeah. Well, I need to see a picture of it. You guys have my Instagram, Coach's Trucks plastered all over it. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. I'll go take a look at it. So I'm guessing that color's used often then. You'd be surprised. Um, some people say that it's a Batello blue color. Some people say it's out of respect that I don't, that not a lot of people use it. Shoot, maybe some people just think it's ugly and they'd never use it. I don't know, but you don't see a lot of the color. Okay. So it's not the color of the convertible then. It's not that blue. Exactly the same blue. Oh, it is. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's. Yeah. I think that's really pretty. Yeah, I bet you get a lot of looks going down the road in that convertible. Yeah, I I actually sold that convertible to the islands in uh, out of Minnesota. So that thing, from what I understand, sits in their own personal museum. Wow, that's awesome. It was something that was very very difficult for me to let go, but I have a small facility, a small shop, and that thing sat outside a lot. Well the flames and all the striping and everything that was on it was done with real candy, real candy paints and candy paints in the direct sunlight tends to fade really bad. And I lived in fear of this thing just getting destroyed. And me and Mr. Tom Island had a long conversation one day and he told me if I ever sold it, he goes, I know what it means to you because of your father. And he lost his son in a car accident. He told me his son always loved that truck. He told me if he ever, his son told him if we ever sold it, they should buy it. Well, his son was already passed and they, we made a deal on it and it sits in their museum. That's pretty awesome. It's, you know, it's going to be safe. What it means to you is safe. And then it also has a whole different respect to him. 
Yeah, and they are great people. They've always been nothing but kind to me. As a matter of fact, I've seen Pat Island at the uh, Cross Pays display this year. And I went over to BS with them. And as I get closer, my son, who had never met him, was standing there talking to him. I go, where you been? He goes, I've been over here for about a half an hour because I was looking for him. And uh, they were chopping it up and BSing like they were old buddies for years and years. <laughs> That's great. Well, Jeff, you have a beautiful family and what a blessing to be able to work with them each and every day. And y'all, you know, just built such a great business, a couple of great businesses. Um, so props to you. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. So a side story on Botello Blue, Julie's colorblind. That's why she ain't seen the blue yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. You know, it takes Shoot, Brandon, you better not park that horse too long. We'll paint your horse blue. Hey, come on. That might be the next million-dollar ride. <laughs> there you go. So, yeah, I sincerely appreciate it, and it's an honor to be on your show. And, you know, with Brandon and Coach and, and both of you doing this, my daughter sent me text messages because, like I told you, I'm not very technologically advanced. She sent me a text message, about four of them, from about 11.40, going, you better not forget. <laughs> you better be somewhere where it's quiet and and don't have noise in the background from the shop, and I got the whole lecture. Well, yeah, we're just honored to have you on for sure. So we need to see. So what's next? Where do you, uh, you, you, how do you get people for your podcast? I mean, obviously, mine, mine was me and David talking about it, and then I get a phone call from Cody. Yeah. I thought that was great, but how do, how do people go about your, I mean, I see them, I watch them. Yeah, I mean, I listen to them, and it, it, it's really cool because you get a lot of perspectives from across the United States, not just you know people I see and talk to daily out here. Absolutely, Ev everywhere. So I'm Julie, and of course I do all the social media. I don't know if you follow us on Facebook, which is our number one. Um, Girl, but, I'm lucky I can send a damn text message. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, um, we are growing rapidly on Facebook, and, uh, you know, we've been doing this since the beginning of May. People send in their features, um, you know, of their uh, rigs and their bios and things like that, and then they always get asked if they want to be on the podcast. And then, of course, just referrals, you know, from that. Um, other people adding to the page, sending in their features. So that's usually the process is featuring um, someone in their business with their rigs. Um, and then, you know, if they want to podcast with us, great. Oh, that's cool. super cool. I actually made a phone call right before I called you today. Um, you had somebody else on the show from California, and that was C.G. Souza. He was a pretty yes. good friend of mine. Oh, he and, is. Uh, That's really cool. Oh, yeah. Um, me and CG actually grew up in the same town. But wow. CG's like six years younger than me. So we never knew each other. Mm -hmm. And I read the story on how he was starting his truck show and what it meant to him. And that was kind of one of the reasons I started coming back to the truck show stuff. That was just, it, it, it was very heartfelt to read it you know, for somebody to go through a loss that he went through mm -hmm. and still have the uh, drive to get up and go every day because he has other people in his family relying on him to be who he is. Absolutely. Well, I called him up one night and it ended up being a three hour phone conversation. And he told me his father's name and I go, did he used to drive for this company? And he said, yeah, I said, you know, my dad and your dad were friends because I remembered his father's name. So we got to 
BSing a lot and talking about old times and people they knew and uh, it, it, it just a, a big connection that we never even knew we had mm-hmm. had it not been for that one phone call. So I called him today and I go, hey, when you were on that podcast, I go, how's that work? I go, are they firing all these questions at you blind? He goes, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you got to be quick. <laughs> I go, so we're, like I said, we're pretty good friends. And I go, okay. He goes, why? I go, well, I got to be on there in a little while. And I, I don't want to sound dumb like you. <laughs> and we exchange unpleasantries with each other and got a good giggle out of it. And he, he gave me a little information that helped me out today. Well, he's, he was a lot of fun, and you have been as well. We're pretty laid back here, so, you know, it's usually a pretty good time. And what a small world is that you know CG. And well, your dad's CG doing only each lives other. About, yeah, CG only lives about 30 miles from me. Wow. And actually, we've uh, – I didn't do any work to his truck that we were supposed to, and the time frame didn't work out, but we've exchanged a bunch of pieces and parts, and – um, I hooked CG up with a, a painter friend of mine because we didn't have time to do the things. And then my wife's niece used to work in my office and the guy that does all my pinstriping and airbrushing mm-hmm. worked in my shop. Mm-hmm. Well, it started out with, Hey, um, we're going to go to lunch to get something to eat. You, you want something? to, hey, you want to go to lunch, to, hey, we have three children together now. So I actually hooked CG up with uh, that pinstriper, and he's had him do a bunch of stuff. And I mean, just, very, like I said, huge, huge world when it comes to the show truck stuff, but very, very small when you look at it in perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we are seeing that definitely. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for being on today. Unfortunately, we are out of time, but we really appreciate you uh, spending the this short amount of time with us telling us about your businesses and um, your life and the trucking world. Um, it's why we do what we do. So again, thank you. And, and thank you guys. Once again, it was an honor. Oh, thank you. I'll talk to you thank on you. Wednesday about the plan B on this polishing gig. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. And if I don't talk to you two ladies, I uh, hope you and your families have a great holiday. You as well. You as well. Thanks so much, Jeff. Have a good day. We'll see you down the road. Uh-huh. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in today, everyone. If you haven't followed us on social media, we are on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. We love to feature truckers, so if you want to be featured on these platforms, you can send in pics in a bio to media at fifthwheelmafia.com. If you haven't already, be sure and follow us on Spotify or Apple Podcast. Keep on moving, America.